0: Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. We are continuing in our series in the Fruit of the Spirit. And the key words to the series that you're invited... There's some of you here who feel like outsiders, feel like second-class citizens, feel like God would never want you. But he does, and he always will. And the beginning of the gospel is just this call to know that you are wanted and that you are loved, and if you're willing, God will do amazing things in your life. Let's pray together. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to be in a believing place today. And whether we think we are far from you or near to you, that we would just listen and hear the whisper of your spirit, calling our name. God, we are wanted. We were loved. God, you've not given up on a single person here. I ask in the name of Jesus that you do a new work in our midst. Amen. Today, we're continuing on in our series about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to kind of explain what we mean by the fruit of the Spirit, if that language is a little um, unfamiliar to you. But we're talking about being invited to kindness, but not a kindness that's weakness, okay? So... We're going to unpack the difference between the world's operating system and and the kingdom of, of God's operating system. They have different economies. They have different currencies. Uh, they have different systems of rewards. Uh, they have different cultures. Um, they have different ends. And and we want to really highlight those differences today, and invite you to choose to live by the Spirit uh, in the mercy of God. You see, the fruit of the spirit isn't ideal we reach for; it's a reality that we live from. One of the frustrations that I have is as we talk about the fruit of the spirit. Let me, um, you know, kind of go ahead and, and let's read the scripture and then and then go right back here. Uh, in Galatians chapter five, verses twenty-two through twenty-five, there's this section of scripture in which um, the apostle talks about. What an inherited eternal life looks like. How it works its way out of life. So, so we're not talking about a bunch of ideals that we, that we are reaching for. We're talking about a new operating system inside of us and what that looks like. When you truly inherit an eternal life, how does that play out in, in your living and the scripture says the fruit of the spirit, what the power of God produces in our lives. So here's the picture, right? If, if we think about these things in terms of these are, oh, I'd love to, to be loving. It'd be nice to have joy and, and gosh, I'll work towards peace. If we think of that, then I want you to think about your life uh, as a journey. Let's say you're going to go from here to California, if you're thinking about these things as aspirations that you work on, what you're essentially imagining is a Flintstone car kind of deal. Right? And here you are in Maryland and there you are in your Flintstone mobile and with your feet you're going to try to paddle that thing all the way to California. Good luck. And if you simply try to be loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and you know, you're you're just going to be exhausted and you're not going to get anywhere. But if you have an engine that is fueled and you hit the ignition and the gas, you're good to go. And the fruit of the Spirit, our efforts, Flintstone, the fruit of the Spirit, the engine of God, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And, And then the scripture goes on to highlight the difference between our own natural operating system in the world and this new kingdom of God operating system. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, those who have accepted their invitation, who believe they're wanted by God, have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. So there is just a real difference between um, living in this world uh, from your spirit, your your natural feelings and and efforts, and and being supernaturally indwelt and powered by the Spirit of God. That's why the scripture says in verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, we don't live by our opinions. We don't live by our own ideas. We don't live by our own thoughts, our own preferences, our own desires, and our own passions. We live by the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, then our job is simply to keep step with the Spirit. And so so what I want to do today, in part, is I want this Scripture to be a Scripture that you and I take seriously seriously. Again, not as an aspiration out of our reach, but as this is, you know, this is simply the thermometer that, that reads where my heart is with, with with Christ. And when I've inherited the the eternal life of God, this is what it looks like. This is who I am. Not who I'm trying to be, it's who I am and who I'm becoming. So, so let's talk just a little bit as we, we kind of highlight this spirit-led life versus the natural life, and, and, and we use the language um, of being lost and saved, and, and one of the things about, about being lost is that, you know, you don't know where you are. Years ago, before GPS, do any of you all remember the times before GPS. Some of you all, you know, back in the day, you know, we, we did it old school. We had maps, and we had to actually read a map. But then the trouble with a map, though, is you still had to be able to find where you were. Now, the funny thing about being lost, I was going down to the, to the jail in, in Baltimore um, one time, pre-GPS, and I had actually left the map in the other car. And I, I guess it didn't occur to me to check for it, you know, Anyway, I'm, I'm driving around, and then I'm utterly, utterly lost. And, and like a man, I keep driving, and, and um, you know, I, I just simply got more lost. And I finally pulled over on the, right of the, on the, on the side of the road um, in, in a neighborhood, and it just occurred to me, you know what? It, the crazy thing about being lost is you know perfectly well where you want to go. You just don't know where you are. And so, if the language of loss is offensive to you, you know, then, then understand that, that, that the claim of the Bible is that until we have a personal growing relationship with Jesus Christ, we don't really know where we are. We may know where we want to go. We may know what we want, um, you know, but we, we really don't have a real awareness of where we are. And just because you and I are driving around confidently doesn't mean we're not lost, so what does it mean to be saved and, 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 and to live by the Spirit? Well, I want to just say it's not just about praying a prayer to receive Jesus Christ, okay? And, and uh, you're going to have to do a little bit of thinking and hang with me here because there are many of us here who think that, um, that, that that's all it is. I just pray a prayer to receive Jesus Christ and, and then I'm okay. And I want to tell you that's not necessarily the case, The the heart is the issue. And part of the problem is that for so many of us, the idea of, quote, praying a prayer to receive Jesus Christ is kind of like signing an insurance policy and then filing away in the fireproof box. I don't really need it every day. I just need to be able to go get it at some point in the future. And the Bible offers a radically different for people who follow Jesus. You see, salvation is about willingly giving your whole life to to Christ through repentance and through faith. And so a prayer to receive Christ might include repentance and faith, but but when it it is real, um, salvation takes over life. And it takes over all of life. And, and so it, it is not a, I, you know, I, I'm okay with God because I prayed a prayer in the past. It's no, uh, I'm okay with God because I repented of my, my sin and my brokenness. And, and now by faith, I'm following Jesus. He's the guide of my life. He's the Lord of my life. He, he is my center, my savior. Uh, he is my love. He has shown me the mercy of God. And Jesus has become my life. That's what salvation is. In Matthew 4:19, uh, for all of us who are here who say, "Well, I just don't know enough," two words change your life. The invitation Jesus gave to say this: "You follow me in every area of your life, in the words that you speak, uh, in how, how you handle your sexuality, in how you handle your, your finances, in how you treat people. In everything you do don't make any more decisions on your own. You don't know where you are until you're oriented in me, Jesus would say. And and the way that you live now is is a turning away from self as the center and living by faith with Christ as the center. In Mark 8:34, uh Jesus kind of put it like this and again it looks very very different than, the, than the, the cheaper versions of salvation that are just some filed-away religious act from the past. He, he said in, in Mark eight thirty four he called the crowd along to him with his disciples. So there's two groups of people. There's the crowd of hearing, and then there's the minority of responding. And he said, whoever wants to be my disciple... It's your choice. I'm offering the invitation, but you have to decide what you want in life and, and, and what you believe to be the truth. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. It's really very simple. It's, it's complex and deep in how it plays out. But whoever wants to be my disciple, it's a whole life decision and you have to deny yourself. So your ego dies. You're no longer the center. Uh, You're no longer trusting in your own wisdom, thinking that I've got this and I know where I am. I don't know where I am. So Jesus, I don't want to think my thoughts. I don't want to walk my way. Uh, I don't want to, I don't even want what I want. My water is broke. So Jesus, you show me the way. Take up your cross. Follow me. Take up your cross, follow me. That's repentance language, and that's faith. I'm dying to the old way. And, and repentance um, is, is the word metanoia. It means to think differently about. Uh, it, it, is, it is the correction that you might make, you know, when the GPS comes on and you realize you need to make a U-turn. Um, but it is, it is a major course correction of life where you were going one way and you turn around and turn your back on, where you were headed for the sake of a new destination. The scripture goes on to say in 2 um, um, Corinthians 5, 7, that we walk by faith and not by sight. So that everything we do from this point forward, uh, it's, about, it's about trust, active daily Trust. In Luke 14, 33, Jesus said this: In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Uh, so, so, do you see the difference between this? I prayed a prayer and, and now I'm I'm just living my life and uh, occasionally, you know, you know, praying some 911 prayers to God. I'm occasionally a- attending worship, I'm occasionally asking God when I need Him. Do you see the difference between that kind of, of um, you know, approach to, to, to God and, and this all-in, I've-now-got-a-new-direction-and-a-new-center-of-my-life approach? If you don't give up everything you have, you can't be my disciple, Jesus said. That's repentance and faith. And lest you think that I'm exaggerating, I, I want to lead you to Matthew 4.17, which is at the start of Jesus' ministry, and he says this. He says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so, if you are going to uh, accept the invitation of God, there has to be repentance in your life. There has to be a marked difference between the old ways and the new. There has to be a different operating system inside of you. You have to turn away from you and and your ego and, and all that you want, sometimes so badly, you have to turn away from all of that to the truth of Jesus. And the truth is, Jesus is the truth. The truth is that everything that you thought you wanted headed that way, you're gonna find that way. That all the love you're looking for um, going this way, doing your will, it isn't over there. It's over here in the presence of Jesus. And all the pain that you're running from uh, and, and medicating and, 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 and turning to, to pornography or, or, or turning to, you know, there are so many things we do to, to just not have to think about the pain in our life. Some of you who work so hard, that's not just a good work ethic. You're, you're working so hard to numb the pain in your life. And all kinds of addiction and all kinds of spending and all kinds of eating and all kinds of obsessions, you're not gonna ever be able to run from your pain until you come to Christ and find that in the pain of the cross, He's answered all your pain. That's repentance. And then we live by faith. Here's, Here's the genius of my life. I'm not saying I'm a genius. Although every day when I walk into my house, that's what my, my, my wife and my daughter call me when I walk in. <laughs> Not. The genius of my life is I don't trust me. I don't trust what I think. I don't trust what I want. And I certainly don't trust what I feel. And every time I do, it's a bad thing. Repent. And have the faith to follow Christ. And in that context, the context of a turning away from a whole way of life and by faith turning to Jesus in an all-in way, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of us. And we are given um, the, the replacement spirit of love and of joy and of peace. We are given the spirit of gentleness and goodness and kindness. We are given the very spirit of God himself. These are not things we aspire to. These are the fuel we live from in the kindness of Christ. So today, I want you to know that you're invited to kindness. Kindness. And in every sense of the way, not simply to be kind, you're invited to experience kindness. And living Jesus, we talk about that all the time, living Jesus is showing mercy. And the way that you can show mercy is to, to let yourself be shown mercy. The greatest amount of faith I believe, and I, I could be wrong, I'm not God, but I believe the greatest tip of the spear, turning point of the whole battle of all of our eternity lies in this one, um, this one movement of the heart. Will I let myself be loved? Will I dare to believe in the infinite, unstoppable, extraordinary, extravagant, joyful love of God, not merely for others, but for me? And will I have the faith to let Jesus show me his kindness and his mercy. And so I'm calling you on the basis of the word of God to to live the kindness of Christ, not not a kindness that's weakness. Let me unpack kindness a little bit and then we're gonna kind of circle back around in Titus chapter three, verses three through eight to, to how this kindness of Christ changes us. Now, when we think of kindness on its own in the, in the spirit of the world, we think of weakness typically. You all have heard the phrase, Leo DeRocher's famous baseball phrase back in the day, nice guys finish. Well, it depends on where the finish line of the race is. You know, I learned in cross country early on um, that the finish line was all that mattered. I, I... I was uh, in high school, uh, my, my sophomore year, going to play basketball again. I'd played basketball for years, wasn't any good. I had a vertical leap of some four inches. It was amazing. People just stand and watch. Look how that guy can't. Now, my goal all my life was just to be able to dunk a basketball, you know, that's all I wanted to do. and I come close, but just not quite there. And I decided, you know what? Maybe there's so many talented guys. Maybe, maybe I should try cross country. So uh, I left preseason basketball on like a Tuesday, started cross country on Wednesday. Saturday, I'm at a meet in Oklahoma. It's like 95 degrees. Um, and there's, there's like 150, 200 guys lined up on the starting line and the gun's getting ready to go off. And I'm thinking, great, we're going to start off jogging. <laughs> Bam, the gun goes off. And it's like, boom, people are sprinting. And I'm going, I can't even run that fast. So I, I, I'm seriously, I'm, I'm there in shock going, this is going to hurt, three miles of this. And I start running, and, and I'm, I'm running, and, and I'm thinking, I am so far behind. But you know what I noticed after about a mile, and a mile and a half, and two miles, and two and a half miles, that a lot of the people who started so well, they were Dying and dropping off like flies. And then it occurred to me as I crossed the finish line later, you know, it really doesn't matter how well you start or how good you look in the middle. It just matters about how you finish in the end. Um, in, in, in any boxing match, you know, there's a lot of the hype about what, you know, this person's going to do or this person's going to do. And, and uh, you know, and, and the reality is, you know, In the end, one person's going to win and one person's going to lose. All the mouthing really doesn't matter, does it? And so when you think about kindness and nice guys finishing last in the world, you're not thinking long enough. You need to move the finish line just a little bit. And you need to use the right measurements for the finishing line because the finishing line is not power. It's not prestige. The finishing line is not um, fame and notoriety. It's not possessions and money. The, The finish line has been moved a little bit beyond time into eternity. And so you're invited to a kindness, but not a kindness that's weakness. A kindness that is the spirit of Christ himself living inside of you. Kindness is living from an eternal identity that uses the power you're given to actively build up the people on your path instead of passively ignoring them or actively tearing them down. And you all have power. Some of you think, I don't have any power. Yes, you do. You're powerful. And you have the power to to build up people with your words and with your actions or to tear them down. In thinking through weakness, remember who wins in the end. Remember who will stand in the end at God's judgment in, through the mercy of Christ and who will fall in the end at the judgment of the wrath of God. That's the finish line. And that's, that's where we need to put our, our, our goal line in. Kindness is showing others what God's shown you. Mercy instead of judgment. Attention instead of indifference. God has given you his attention. Some of you here feel like God doesn't know me, doesn't know my name. He does. He knows you and he's invited you into his life and in his love and Jesus is the path. It's going to take repentance. You're going to have to turn away from your old ways and, and, and stop driving confidently lost. And you're going to have to turn to Jesus and let him be the operating center of your life every single moment. You know, when, when, I'm, when I'm where I need to be, do you know how often I think about Christ and how often I, I turn and depend on, upon Jesus? About every 30 seconds. Because that's how long it takes my mind to wander. That's about how long it takes my attention to be given to something else. <laughs> and it's Jesus and Jesus and Jesus and Jesus. And that's what faith looks like. So today, I want to challenge you in the strength of eternity and in the the power of Christ to live the kindness of Christ. Live it. Live it at home. Live it at your workplace. If, if, If you're an NCO, you know, you're an officer, you live it to those people who are below you in rank. You live it everywhere around you the kindness of God that's not a weakness but is a revelation of Christ because showing mercy, it is living Jesus. We talk about living Jesus. What it means to live Jesus is, is to show mercy. In Titus uh, 3, it's probably not a book that, that, uh, that, uh, that a ton of, of us read uh, every day. It is an amazing book and I wanna lead you there now to chapter three, verses three through eight. And, and, and I want you to hear these themes we've been talking about of repentance and of faith and of kindness and of mercy and of the Spirit of God. The Scripture says, talking about our life before we repented and turned and trusted Jesus, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, listen to this, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Can anybody resonate with that? I can. And, and this is a description of, of life in the cruelty of this broken world. Doggy dog, everybody out for themselves. Sometimes the hatred is, is veiled, you know, uh, in, in passive aggressive ways. And all passive-aggressive is, it means that you're hating without wanting to have the, the courage to be known as a hater. And, and this is our life before the kindness of Christ. But you see, experiencing the kindness of, uh, and love of Jesus is, is a transforming experience. We'll never be the same. When you come to Jesus and you experience him being kind to you, and noticing you and loving you and speaking into your woundedness, it changes you, it transforms you. And it, it sparks something inside of you. It it, it ignites a fire. And the, the fires of, of earth do damage and destruction. But, but I'm just telling you, you know, just if you can imagine having seen some of the wildfires in California, if you could imagine the reality that inside that the spirit of Christ will ignite a wildfire of repentance and faith as you accept the love and the kindness of Jesus. Some of you today just, you just need to, to let Jesus be kind to you you need to bring your brokenness and your hurt to him and, 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 and stop setting yourself up as kind of a God-like judge and pronouncing sentence on yourself. God has pronounced sentence on your sin and my sin. On Jesus, on the cross. And that's why the scripture says in Romans 8:1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, how kind is that? Verse 4 goes on to say, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. (laughs) Think about that, will you? Jesus, the kindness and love of God. He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. Showing mercy, it's who Jesus is. It's not something he has to do when Jesus is merciful he's just being Jesus. And when you begin to live in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control it's not you trying to do these things it's just you being the new you powered by the Holy Spirit of God. To be saved is to be to repent and be made different not through our trying, but through our trusting in the dying of Christ, that in the death of Christ was the the absolute mercy of God. Guys, is anybody here just moved by that? Is anybody here just grateful that God has been so kind to us? He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, church of the living God. I wanna call you to, to the Holy Scriptures. Every day, read your Bible. Make time every day to hear from God in, in, in the word of God. Church of, of the living God, I want to I call you to, to, to God the Father, the second person of the Trinity, to know that you have a heavenly Father who notices you and loves you and is powerful beyond power. And, and he, he's been so kind through the sending of his Son. And I want to introduce you, remind you, of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. The gift of God that most of us uh, downplay and and disregard and, and do not fully appreciate. But it is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, who lives inside of you, that empowers all the possibilities of God's love. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Christ our Savior so that having been justified by his grace we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This this is us. This is life in our new operating system. We have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. And and people who have experienced the kindness of God become kind people. Not out of weakness and fear, but out of the eternal strength of Jesus Christ. Have you ever experienced the kindness of Jesus? Have you ever let Jesus show you his mercy? Because I'm telling you that when you do, uh, it, it doesn't stay outside, it transforms, it comes within, and you become Jesus. You become the kindness of God. And you show mercy. If we're not supernaturally living out the fruit of the Spirit, then we're naturally living out the hell of our own spirit. It's darkness. It's despair. It's it's, as the Scripture said here, uh, it's malice. It's envy. It's hatred. Um, that's what we're living out of. But people who have the hope of Christ see the hope of Christ in others, and they are merciful. Mercy plays out in so many ways. In that argument, when you could go for the jugular and, and you have the power in that moment to attack and tear down, you pass. And instead of tearing down you in kindness, you build up. You uh, walk by the child in, in your life who's lonely and self-conscious, who feels less than and neglected, and instead of passively ignoring them, you pay attention as God has paid attention to you. And you actively show kindness to them. It plays out in a million ways to the people of our path. Guys, I just want to close with this. The fruit of the Spirit matters. And I need you by faith to stop allowing Galatians 5 to to be something that is nice and to allow it to be the very command of God that you and I are to live out of the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And Titus 3.8 says this, look, this is not something that I'm adding to your life like icing on the cake. Verse 8, this is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things, to get out a highlighter and underline them so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. It's not when it's convenient. It's not casual. No, I've repented of a self-fueled life. My ego is crucified. I'm now by faith following Jesus. And my spirit is the very spirit of God. It's not the spirit of depression and defeat. It is not the spirit spirit of fear and insecurity. It is the spirit of love and joy and peace. And the scripture says this at the end of verse 8. These things are excellent. And they're profitable for everyone. So I would say to all of you who are living in spiritual poverty. Here is the riches and the wealth of the kingdom of God if you want them. You're invited. To those of you who are living lonely and and angry and hurt and wounded, unnoticed and underappreciated, I'm inviting you today into the mercy of God to to be a recipient of his eternal kindness. And then to pour out for the rest of your days the kindness that you have been shown. You're invited to kindness. Not one that's weakness, but that's showing the mercy of the living Lord Jesus Christ who's living through you. Today, uh, I'm, I'm asking for faith to rise. I'm asking for repentance to happen where it needs to happen. I'm asking for you to actively pursue kindness, uh, maybe to repair some relationships that exist, uh, to, to show mercy uh, in some ways that, that you haven't shown in the past. I, I'm asking you today to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit who has noticed you and called you and invited you to the mercy of Christ. Father, in the name of Jesus, may we who have been shown mercy, show mercy. May we who have received your kindness be kind. And may we, Father, by faith in the resurrected Son of God, be strong in showing a kindness that this world does not recognize. And God, may it be profitable, and may it change the lives of the people we live with at home, the people we work with, God, the people of our path every single day. And God, in strength, we pray for the power of mercy to be revealed at the church at Severn Run. And in Jesus' name, all God's people strongly say, Amen. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.